uh, when we get there. Part of why we're here on Wednesday nights is to remind us on how we can learn about what this church is all about and who we are as New Hope Hill Hawaii. Because when we first come here, you know, there, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn about ourselves. There's a lot to learn about God. There's a lot to learn about the vision of our church. There's a lot to learn about our families and community. But I want to simplify it for us in what we go through as a church and, and how we function. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 tells us that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's what we do here on Wednesday night. We equip the saints, you're the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now, in order to do the work of the ministry, we need to know what kind of work is to be done for the ministry. Otherwise, how would we know what to do? Even Jesus himself said, go into the world. It was an action that was going to take place. He didn't say just sit. He said, go. So we learn from him. We sit before him, and then we do something about it. So here are the four circles of our church. It's our services, our small groups, our serving, and then stewardship. And part of stewardship is what we're doing tonight. We're stewarding our spirits. We're learning about the Lord, and we're developing our spirit with the Lord. And so we're stewarding the soul and the spirit that God has given to us. So our services include, of course, Sundays and Wednesdays. And we have our small groups, our ministries, uh, Bible studies, devotions, even outside in our fellowship hall and court in our courtyard, that's like a smaller group of people. And our hope is that through these smaller groups that we will develop relationships so that we can build one another up, get to know each other, and then keep each other accountable uh, during the week. You know, we have our Sunday and Wednesday services, but there needs to be someone to help us along, as the Bible says, two are better than one, because if one should fall, the other can lift them up. So that's what small groups will consist of. And then serving, we find an area that we can serve in, whether in the church or in outreach or even missions, because God has given a gift to every single person. Everyone has at least one gift. So we want to utilize that gift to serve others. And then stewardship, family, health, our mind, finances, and things like that. But the reason why we have these four circles is so that we can partner together in our attempts to reach our family and friends. That's basically what we do. So everyone who uses their gifts for God, we don't just use it so that it can be presented, you know, like our worship team. They don't sing songs and, and play an instrument so that they feel good about themselves or that they can present how well they can sing or how well they have their talents skilled, honed in. They, they use their gifts so that when you invite a family member or a friend or someone to church, the hope is that they would find Jesus Christ, that we would reach the lost one relationship at a time. That's our vision. That's our heart, that everyone, every single one of us has the potential to reach someone else. It's always one relationship at a time. I do believe in the masses where they have crusades, but that's just not us. God has not called us to be that kind of church. He called us to reach the lost one relationship at a time at work in your family, or if you go to school, you just connect with someone, and you don't know what they're going through, but they do, 
And they, might, they may not know where to find hope. They might not know that there is a God that loves them enough to help them in the situation that they're in or to just give them hope far beyond what they could ever imagine. And so we partner together to reach the lost one relationship at a time. Well, in, in, in what we deal with every day in this thing called anger, we're going to find that anger really has a lot to do with this. Because if I cannot control my anger... And I try to reach out to someone else to say, hey, you know, I, I have a rela relationship with Jesus Christ and I think you should too. But if I'm an angry person, they're going to look at my life and say, why should I follow your God? How, how can you say he's helping you when you're worse than me? And although we don't like to compare and, you know, judge one another, that's just the way of the world. The world will do that. We still judge people even as believers. And God says, well, I want to do away with that so that you can reach people for me. I want you to be able to love people into my kingdom. Not necessarily try and force them to believe something, but to model my life through you as a lifestyle so that they could see your good works and then glorify me in heaven. But this thing called anger, boy, I think we all deal with this. Some time ago when Heidi and I, uh, our children were still young, I think they were in school that day. Heidi and I just got into this big argument. And we we're going back and forth, back and forth. And you know when you start throwing words and you keep going, it's like when you're losing the fight, you got to think of something quick to win back the battle. So when she says something, I have to think of, wait a minute, no, that's, that's, that's not good because I'm losing. So I have to think of something that will, that will not necessarily hurt her but trump what she just said. So when she says something, I got to think of something better. And it came to a point where I got so upset that I came back into the room and she looked at me because I came right up to her face and she said, what? What you going to do? Now, this is a long time ago. Okay, this is like two years ago. So she, no, it's longer than that. So she was looking at me and she said, what? What are you going to do? And I, and I just stood there and I said, nothing. And then I punched the wall. Boom, lucky thing I never hit the, you know, the beam, the post, the, the two by four. And right through the drywall and had a hole in the wall. And then I left the room. And then later on that day, you know, I started to calm down. And then it was, it was probably about a day or two later that I really got to uh, kind of get my bearings. And uh, I really felt the Lord saying, you know, is that who you want to be? This is not my fault. If she didn't make me angry... I wouldn't have punched the wall. And it's like the Lord, like I was his comedy station. Like he was laughing. Like, well, really, you think that's accurate? I said, well, if she didn't get mad, all she had to do was listen. If she just didn't listen to me, we wouldn't have fought. But she had to say what she had to say. And so I said what I said. And then I had to go to Heidi because I felt the Lord saying, no, you need to make it right. So I went to Heidi and I said, Heidi, I ask for your forgiveness uh, for what I did, and so I'm sorry. And so things were better. And then she said, so uh, <laughs> you got to patch the hole now. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, you, gotta, you made the hole. You got to patch it. So now I'm thinking we got to spend money to patch the hole that I made because of my anger. And so that day I, I got some things, and, and uh, I was going to patch the hole. And then this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, don't patch it. And I said, what? He said, yeah, don't patch it. I said, but I, I got to fix the hole. 
the boys are going to come home and they're going to see the hole in the wall and they're going to say, what happened? I'm going to have to tell them your mom kicked the wall. So what am I going to say? I don't know. So he said, no, you, you leave it. And, I, and so it's, I'm having this conversation with the Lord and I said, okay, why do you want me to leave it? And crystal clear. He said, because I want you to be reminded of who you don't want to be. That every time you look at that, that's not who you want to be. And that's not who you are. And so before the boys came home, I got a, I got a calendar and I pinned it right there where the hole was in the middle of the wall. It was off, you know, like nobody would put a calendar there. But I put it there. And then one day the boys did find it. And they said, hey, what happened to that hole? Oh, how did that hole get there? And I had to explain to them, well, dad was upset. I got angry. And I punched the wall. And they laughed at me because they were a lot older. Like, oh, you punched the wall. Oh, my goodness, you idiot. Why you did that for? They didn't call me that. They just said some other nice names. But I, I had to explain to them that because of my uncontrolled anger, I did that. Because sometimes I think we try to hide our anger from people because of what they're going to say towards us or how they're going to view us. And the problem with that is the more we try to hide our anger, the more darkness we're going to be in. Rather than saying, Lord, okay, this is where I am. I have an anger problem. I need your help. I need guidance. And that's what we want to hit tonight. That's what we want to talk about. James 1.19 through 21, it tells us this. My dear brothers and sisters... Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has, planned, uh, that has, God has planted in your hearts for it is strong enough to save your souls. Did you know that anger is the number one one of, the, uh, one of the number one causes of death in the U.S., which is heart disease, anger contributes to that. Now, not all anger is sin. And uncontrolled anger is sin. Remember, God got angry at sin, and so God did something about it. But when there is uncontrolled sin, then it can produce in us high levels of stress, blood pressure, and especially when we have uncontrolled anger, people don't want to be around us. They never know when we're going to explode. It's almost like our fuse is so short that people just refuse to be near us when things are stressful. Because they know that, they're, that you're going to explode sooner than later. Or they're afraid to, to, to do something because if they make a mistake, they spill a cup, they, they drop food on the ground, they do something, you're just going to burst out in anger. And then we take out our anger on the people we love the most. And they stick by our side. They stay close to us because they love us, but at the same time, they believe in us. They believe that we can change because we've said it. We've said, I'm going to be different. I'm going to change. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read the Bible. We say these things, but God is saying, hang on. You got to get rid of all the filth. You got to get rid of it because it's going to destroy you. Normally, we're slow to listen and quick to speak and quick to anger. But Proverbs 14, 17, it tells us a quick-tempered man does foolish things and a crafty man is hated. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a hated person. 
I don't think we, none of us want to be hated. I think we all want to be liked. I mean, we live in a world that we have social media with likes. I think they're on to something. I think they understand that the human soul wants to be accepted. But if we're trying to be accepted by people before the Lord, then anger is going to get the best of us because people are going to disappoint us. But if we're looking to God as the one who is first and foremost in our lives, the one, the one we want to please, then he's going to help us with this thing called anger, uncontrolled anger. And then everyone else around us, they're going to see a difference, not because we're trying to perform for them, but because we're trying to please God. We're trying to do something good for God. We're trying to represent him well. We want to shine his light in our very own families. And God says, I can give you power to do that, but you cannot be quick-tempered. You need a longer fuse. You need to be a, 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 a person who is not quick to just speak things out, but you're able to be slow-tempered. That you don't just move into a rage, but it's almost like you have a couple clicks before you rage and a process before you, your temper just explodes. I remember I had to make a quick decision at a critical point in my life and the, the decision that I had to make was, is this how I want my family to remember me? Do I want my family to remember me as quick-tempered, short-tempered, uncontrolled anger? That as my children grow up and then they move out, that all they will remember of me growing up is, oh, yeah, oh, dad used to get mad just like that. I mean, anything we do wrong, oh, he got mad just like that. I remember we got lickings because he thought we should get lickings just in case we did something wrong. So they grow up like that, thinking that way. And guess what's going to happen when they have children? They're going to do the very same thing because they think that's how it's supposed to be. But the Lord says, no, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. And a crafty man is hated. I don't want to be hated. I, I think we all want to be loved. And God says, here's a way to do it. Psalm 4.4, I love how it tells us, point blank, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. And it says, think about it overnight and remain silent. Now, remember that scripture that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger? You know, sometimes we think you're not supposed to sleep angry. And that's a part of it. You don't want to go to bed angry because it's difficult to sleep while you're angry. Adrenaline is rushing, so you can't really sleep. What the Bible is saying is sometimes you do need to be silent. Sometimes you do need to sleep over it. Sometimes you do need to take a nap. Some of us are the most grouchiest when we're tired. Sometimes Heidi will just tell me, oh, you got to take a nap. It's kind of like her indication of saying, you're kind of grouchy right now. You should go nai-nai. Go eat some peanut butter jelly sandwiches and some milk and go nai Go sleep. Go sleep a little while. I don't like go sleep. No, you should go sleep before I put you to sleep. So I think we all need, we need to understand who we are and how we can replenish our souls so that we're not controlled by anger. We're all going to deal with it. We see people around us that are angry. The Bible says, don't Sin by letting anger gain control over you. So the opposite would be true then. In order for us to live a righteous life, we control anger. Anger can be controlled. 
Now, how can we be people that do not let anger control us? Is that even possible? Because every single person, we can gain control over anger and lengthen that fuse, you know, that fuse that causes us to explode by partnering with God in these ways. And here's the first thing, to develop a listening attitude. Develop a listening attitude. Now, we all have the ability to pay attention. We all have the ability to learn and, and pay attention to what people are saying and, and to listen. And some of us, we have a hard time listening. Uh, and, and I'm just going to use a relationship. Now, I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just speaking out of, you know, uh, illustrative purposes. So usually in a relationship... The woman speaks more than a man. It's just usually, okay? It might be different in your relationship. Like you'll come home from work and then you'll say, hey, honey, how are things? And then she'll say, oh, it was so good today. You know, Kathy, Kathy did this, she did this, she did this. And, and you, know her, you know her mom? You know her mom? Oh, no, who's her mom? Well, her mom is the one that works at the coffee shop and she was at the coffee shop for 10 years and 10 years. And then you want to ask a question, but if you ask a question, then it's going to take another 10 minutes. So you just kind of suck it up and think, okay, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And so they'll finish their story and, and like 15 minutes later, they'll ask you, so how was your day? You're like, ah, oh, it was good. <laughs> you have nothing left to give. And it's just, it's just a part of relationship. But when you're able to listen and you're able to be patient in listening, you develop a, a listening ear, not just for people, but you develop a listening ear for the Lord. That a listening attitude doesn't mean while someone is talking, you're trying to think of what you need to say to make them be quiet. Because sometimes when someone is just going and rambling, you, you're trying to think of, how do I get out of this conversation? I mean, they're just going and going and going and going. How do I, how do I, oh, my, oh, my phone ringing. Sorry, it's on silent. Sorry, hang on, I got to go. You know, what are we, are we developing a listening attitude? I'm giving you all my secrets. What, are, what is the listening attitude? Do we have that? Is that something that we're saying to the Lord? I want to be a good listener. Because if we're not a good listener, it's so easy for anger to take control over us. Because what we feel and what we believe and how we think, we're saying it's more important than how you feel right now. It's more important than me listening to you. But the Lord says if you develop a listening attitude, things will change. As it says in Proverbs 4.20, pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. For they bring life and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. Now, I like how God says, my child. Because he, he's not saying pay attention, just people in general. He's saying, you're, you're my child. I'm your father. So when you pay attention to me and the words that I give to you, don't lose sight of those words. Because the words that I give to you, as they penetrate deep into your heart... They're going to bring life. They're going to bring radiant health. And when we are healthy, then when we speak to people, it's not going to be anger that controls us. It's going to be coming out of a healthy soul rather than an angry heart or an angry temper that just wants to manipulate and control and make people do what we want them to do or make them feel what we want them to feel. So be quick to listen. It's amazing how that the, the moment people speak, if it offends us, our reflex is to counter what they've just said. 
And so we throw in these words if someone is speaking and we're not really listening to what they're saying, but we're more analyzing what they're saying, then we're going to counter with something else and we're going to say, no, 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 but all, all I'm saying is, and then we'll have our sentence, and then they'll say, no, but you're not listening. No, I, I heard what you said, but all I'm saying is, and then you'll give your sentence, and then they'll come back and say, but you're not listening to what I'm saying Listening to what other people are saying doesn't mean they're right or wrong. It just means you empathize with them. That you understand where they're coming from. That you don't have to agree or disagree. You're just listening. Got it. Okay, got it. I remember when Heidi would tell me every single day, over and over, can you hang up your shirt Can you hang up your shirt? Can you hang up your shirt? Don't just come home and throw your shirt down. Put it in a hamper. Don't just, you know, have shirts lying around. Just pick it up. And I would tell her, Heidi, you tell me that every single day. She goes, there's a reason why I tell you that every single day. I say, we grumble about this all the time. She goes, I know we grumble about this all the time. I said, well, stop telling me to pick up my shirt. It's not bothering you, is it? Just walk around it. Why should it bother you? She goes, why should it bother you to pick it up? That's your shirt. I said, well, if you see it, didn't grab it. You pick it up. Well, that was the worst thing to say. So, so now I pick up my shirt because it just wasn't, it didn't go well. So I, I thought, and, and I thought of it this way. If I don't want her to grumble, then pick up the shirt. I know, smart idea. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Husband 101. Just, just pick it up because what that does is it just neutralizes any grumbling of the shirt putting my dishes into the sink from wherever I ate, simple things like that. It just, it eliminates any type of grumbling. Putting my shoes away, not leaving it by the door for where she breaks her ankle. I think she did that on purpose one time just to prove a point, but that's not the issue. All I know is when I put those things away and I put it on the side, there was really nothing to grumble about. And it's those simple things that really wreck us and ruin us. Like someone said, they, they had this big block of ice, and then they had a chisel, and then they were chipping it. And then the professor actually was doing this as an experiment. He said, I want you to tell me which hit cracks this ice. And he kept going, and they counted 179, and it cracked. And then one student said, it was 179. He said, do you think that's the one that cracked it? He said, yeah, we counted. He said, nope, it was every single hit before that. And it's just so true in our marriages, in our relationships, when it comes to anger and, and grumbling. It's that one last argument that we think tipped it. But it wasn't. It was the 178 before that. And it all led up to that one last one where it just couldn't handle and it broke. That's why the Lord says, pay attention to what I'm saying. These are words that are going to give you life. It's going to give you health. And it's going to be great for your relationships Pay attention. It means to incline your ears. It means to to bend the head or body forward. It's like when someone is telling you a story or they're just talking and it's not really interesting. And then all of a sudden they say something that grabs your attention. Like, oh, yeah, and I owe you $50. Here it is. Wait, what what were you talking about? It's like your, your attention is there now because they captured it. And God says, that's like my words to you. That as I'm speaking to you, you're going to incline your ear to me. Kind of bend forward. Listen very carefully. 
That's why I love when we take notes. I love writing things down. I, I, I love putting things into my phone when God speaks to me because then I can constantly look at it. Or I'll write things down in my journal and then I can go back on it and I'll say, wow, Lord, you did an amazing thing during, during this season. Yeah, we can only write down what we're listening to. And the Lord says, that's who I'm calling you to be. Develop that listening attitude. James 1.19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Now, I don't know if I'm going deaf or it's just an automatic reflex that when Heidi says something, I automatically say, huh? And it's the first thing. She'll say something, I'll say, what? And I'm wondering if that's a part of my nature that when she says something, I'm trying to process what she said or if I'm literally losing my hearing. Now, you can tell me later. I'm 43 years old. Some of you might say, yep, it's your hearing. Some of you might say, no, you're just trying to grasp what she's trying to say or maybe you didn't understand what she's trying to say. But sometimes we do that with the Lord. The Lord will speak and we'll go, huh? Try, try that again. What did you, what did you say? And the, the grace of God will come to us a second time. Because for some of us, maybe God will have to speak over and over. We don't learn the lesson because of our anger. And God says, I gotta, you got to go through this test again. You didn't pass. Oh, i got to try again. Yep, you got to go through it again. And I want you to pass because I want you to represent me well as well as move into that next level of your life. That I have plans for you and they're for good but you're destroying them from the inside out. When I develop a listening attitude, then I'm able to move into a greater maturity that catapults me into a life of maturity and another level of growth. See, anger takes so much energy out of us that by the time love should be implemented, we're emotionally spent and everyone receives the wrath. But the Lord says, no, just be, be quick to listen because when you're quick to listen... Anger takes longer to get there. Listening will always trump anger. Think about it. God listens to us all the time. He'll listen to us. Yeah, he, could, he can be angry at us, but he listens to us. And he says, that's how I want you to be. So here's the second thing, and this one is a little tougher because... We, um, we're just quick to speak. Think before speaking. This one is a little more difficult because we have reflexes. You know, the way our brains are wired, it's just a, a quick reflex. We just speak. Or maybe we grew up in a family that you, maybe there were like six of you, and you had to, I mean, you had to fight and defend yourself. You had to, you had to think fast because they were, they, they, I mean, your family members, your brothers and sisters, they would just rail you and, and, and put you down. Or, or people in school, they would say things, but you had to be quick. So you would think fast. And you would feel that, well, that's, that's a good gift to have. I can think fast, you know. You try to cut me down, I cut you back down. You try to say something to me, I say something back to you. Like if you, if you don't say something back quick enough, that one second pause, no more power. If someone says something negative to you and you don't have a comeback, too late. You cannot think of it and three minutes later say, yeah, well, you're a dumbhead. You, know, you can't say something like that. That's not going to work. So we develop a quick speaking ability, and the Lord says that's actually not a good thing. That's not a good thing to have. Most of the times we, we speak before we think, and then we regret it later. 
And then we got to sift through our minds, how should I have done that better? Proverbs 10, 19, it says, <laughs> this is so good. Don't talk too much, for it fosters sin. Be sensible and turn off the flow. You know, this is a nice way of saying shut your mouth. That's the, that's the nicest way of saying that. That's one word, shut your mouth. That's just one word. I don't know how you spell it, but that's just one word. That's a nice way of saying that. Be sensible and turn off the flow. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Be sensible and turn off the flow. See, anger, anger itself will far outlast what you're angry about. Because whatever that situation was, it's going to come and go. But if anger is not controlled, it'll stay with you for life. Maybe you're angry because of what your son or daughter said to you or what they did or what they didn't do. And that one incident is done, but you're still angry about it five years later. Guess what won? Yeah, anger. Not what you were angry about. It was just anger that continued to fester in your life. Proverbs 21, 23, it says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that my soul is guarded better than my physical nature? That's what the Bible says. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. But here's the benefit. When you guard your soul from troubles, you guard your physical body from troubles too. I mean, how often we got into fights because of the words that came out of our mouth. I mean, that's, that's, that's like high school, junior high, but once we become adults, that stuff got to go. We should mature from all of that to guard our soul. That's where, where the wellspring of life comes from. It's our soul. The seat of our emotions and passions, the activity of our mind, the activity of our will or activity of our character, that's our soul. And when I think before I speak, anger can't control me. I now begin to control anger. But for some reason, there's that, that, that feeling we get like we boil, right? And we just come hot. Like everything just inside of us, it just, it almost makes us want to do something. Because anger comes up. But we're actually wired to get angry. We're supposed to get angry, but not to let anger control us. See, when we become angry, it changes the chemical makeup in our body. Adrenaline is dumped in so that we can make quicker decisions. That when we see injustice and we get angry about it, we can make a quick decision. That we can do something about it. But it was never intended for us to... Use anger to control us. It was always for us to control anger in such a way that we would be able to respond accordingly. See, anger destroys us not from the outside in. It destroys us from the inside out. Whatever the circumstances, two people can see the same thing and respond differently. Because it's not the circumstances that are going to destroy us. It's what's happening on the inside. I think we've learned and many of us have learned that it's not, it's not what happens to you. It, it's how you respond to what happens to you that makes our life. Because our situations, we really can't control most of them. Some we can. 
But there are some that are going to bring out anger from us. But as Proverbs 17, 27 tells us, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. But watch this. Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. When they keep their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. So if you want to be smart overnight, be silent. And people will look at you like, wow, they're kind of different today. And you may not have changed anything inside of your, you know, intelligence uh, and, and the way we think, but for some reason, we just seem more intelligent. I mean, I've been in situations where I would talk and say things and then say the wrong thing and make a fool out of myself, and, I should, and, and then I, I say to myself, I should have not said that. Like one of the worst things to say is, hey, when's your baby do?" Yes, you, oh, you feel the pain. Look at the men's faces. Like, oh, yeah. And the woman is not even pregnant. Because I think some of us have been in that situation. Or they say, oh, is this your wife? No. That's just my friend. We're just hanging out. Oh, okay. Together? Here? In Vegas? Okay, I got you. Like, well, how do, we don't know what to do because we just, we, we just speak. But when we're able to be silent, and it's not saying don't speak to people, don't talk. What, it, what the Bible is actually saying is when it comes to anger, the more, silent you are, the more silent you are, the more you're able to control your anger. You're still going to boil. You're still going to have that, that adrenaline rush. But when anger controls us, it's like shrapnel that tears into the flesh of whoever is in our path. And they don't deserve it. Usually what begins in uncontrolled anger, it actually ends in shame. Heidi and I were, I think this is probably about a year before we were married. We were married for 23 years. So we, were, we knew the Lord, and we were just about going to church. It was kind of the beginning of us coming to know the Lord and we were at, I believe it was the county fair. And someone came up to me and said, hey, uh, someone just pushed Heidi. I said, what? They said, yeah, they, they pushed Heidi. And so I ran. I said, point that person out to me. And so he pointed them out to me. And, and I walked up to that guy. And I said, that's the guy right there. He said, yeah, the guy with the jacket. So I walked up to him. And I, I, I kind of pushed him just to turn him around, not, you know, physically, you know, nothing bad. So I just said, hey, um, did you push my girlfriend? And he said, what? I said, you, you didn't push her. And he said, no. And I just got in his face. I said, no lie. And started saying all kinds of things. I probably swore. I'm not sure. You know, this is a long time ago, so I don't know. But it was pretty bad. And I'm just yelling at him, yelling at him. And he's looking at me, and he goes, um, that wasn't me. I said, yeah. Then who was? Was that guy right there? I saw everything. I said, huh? You sure? It better not be you. And then I walked away and, oh, man, I felt so dumb. And, and I couldn't go up to that guy because all power was lost. I couldn't even, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could, there was nothing there. And I, I just felt so foolish. My friend was laughing at me like, wrong guy. And I, I just felt so foolish. 
And then I told Heidi, because Heidi was kind of close. She didn't know what was going on. I said, I almost, I almost fight the wrong guy. She goes, why are you going to do that for? I said, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, i got to protect you. She goes, I can't protect myself. And if you know Heidi, yes, she can. So she didn't need me for that. And I just felt so foolish. I, I felt like, like anger was getting the best of me. And so I really had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be recognized as that kind of person. Last week, someone told me uh, they were meeting in the fellowship hall with one of the groups. And while they were doing their discussion, someone mentioned how they deal with speaking and anger. And they said, before they speak, they asked themselves three quick questions. The first question they asked themselves before they respond is, is it true? The second question they respond, that, that they ask themselves is, what I'm about to say, is it kind? And then the last question they ask themselves before they speak is, is it necessary? Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? By what I'm about to say, is it true what I'm about to say? Is it kind what I'm about to say? Is it even necessary? for what I'm about to speak. Because if not, then anger will quickly blow out the lamp of my mind and I have no light shining in my brain for me to see correctly. But I got to develop something that says, you know what, I'm not going to be a person who just speaks before I think. I want to think before I speak. You see, when anger is almost to that boiling point, ready to control us, just think, when we think before we speak, it's like we put that boiling water on simmer. We just turn it down a notch. And when we turn it down a notch, then we're able to understand that, wait a minute, there's, there's something more than just anger. That it's not supposed to control us. But it's supposed to help us, not point us in the wrong direction. Here's the last thing that I want us to write down or to remember, and that's to delight in the Lord. See, whatever we delight in will direct us, and if we're not able to get what delights us the most, then anger will be the result. That's going to be the end result. So if we delight in the Lord, think of it, we blow up because we can't accomplish a task on time or we have high expectations on someone or we, we can't fix something or we can't pay the rent or we can't have something our way and, or we don't like how we're treated or there's injustice. James 4 verses 1 and 2, it says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? And then it says this, You want what you don't have so you scheme and kill to get it you are jealous for what others have and you can't possess it so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them and yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask god for it are we delighting in the lord or do we like how anger makes us feel we scheme or we kill to get something we we may not physically kill but we rob people of life that when, we're, when there are words just being spewed out of our mouth in uncontrolled anger, it just robs them of life. I remember after my son did something wrong, he was, this is Jordan, my youngest one, he was probably about nine years old, 
And I said, you know what, you got to get a spanking. And I, I had a, a stressful day. And so my temper was so short that when he did something, I said, okay, that's it. You're going to get a spanking. Wait, what? I didn't even really do anything. No, you're going to get a spanking. And so I gave him three swats on his behind. And then the look that he gave me, I remember his face so vividly because I just saw tears coming down. And the look that he gave me was, I know you know. Or you know, I know, I don't deserve this. But you're just taking it out on me because you had a hard day. Like I could read his face. And so after that was done, I told him, stay in your room and then think it over. And then when I left, it's like the Lord says, now you go to your room and you think it over. And I did. I sat before the Lord and I said, why did I do that? He said, because you took out your anger on your son. If he did that on a day that you were fine... You wouldn't have even have done that. But you took out your anger on him because you forgot to delight in me. But if you're delighting in me, then anger is not going to get the best of you. People don't deserve my worst. And they don't deserve your worst. They deserve your very best. But you want what you don't have. So we scheme and kill to get it. We're jealous for what others have and we can't possess it so we fight and we quarrel to take it away from them. And the reason is because we don't ask God. Delight yourself in the Lord. So Psalm 34 verse 4 and 5 says, it says to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Now, what will he do? He's going to restore relationships. He's going to bring health into our marriage. He's going to bring health into an unhealthy heart. Our heart is not doing well. And he says, I can make it healthy again. But you're letting anger control it. See, we all have reasons to allow anger to control us. But why give anger the upper hand? Give God the upper hand so that he can work into our lives and And although anger might get you moving or motivated, it should not be the fuel system to keep you going because it's not going to last. It's not going to end up in a a good place. But we delight in the Lord, and when we do, then he gives you the desires of your heart. And when he becomes your delight, uncontrolled anger is not so tempting. In fact, it becomes shameful. Like when we burst out in anger, it's like, man, that's not me. That's not who I want to be. And now we're learning. So the next time we're going to say, no, I did that last time. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to control my anger, be slow to speak, think it through. I'm going to delight in you, Lord. And then I'm going to respond in a way that represents you well. And when we do that, we're going to be able to conquer those battles that happen every single day. Amen. You bow your heads with me as we pray. Put away your Bible and your notes. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so grateful that we can come to you whenever we deal with situations like this, anger or even being frustrated. Sometimes stress gets the best of us and we don't know how to respond. So we want to respond in a way that's pleasing to you. Lord, we don't want anger to get the best of us. We want to control our uncontrolled anger. 
So help us to be quick to listen, that we would develop a listening attitude, that it wouldn't be about us and, and who we are and what we want, but it would be about you and who you are and, and what you want in our lives. That we would think before we speak, that we would, we would ask ourselves those questions. Is it, is it true what I'm about to say? Is it even, is it even kind the words that will come out of my mouth? And is it even necessary? Because at that point, Lord, we want to delight in you, not in how we feel and, and not proving a point. We want to delight in you. So, Lord, tonight as we take a turn for the better, can you do what you have promised, that when we delight in you, you will give us the desires of our heart, that when we commit our ways to you, you will do it. And so we trust in you. We know that through you, you're going to be able to work within us a heart of compassion. That we would pay attention to the words that come out of your mouth. That we would pay attention and guard our hearts. So that in the end, when people are with us, and as the time goes by and years go by, they, don't remember, they won't remember us as the angry person they will remember us as a person who represented you well, even in the worst conditions, that we weren't people who let anger control us, but we were people who controlled our anger and was able to do things according to your will. So I pray for all of us tonight, Lord. We all need to deal with this anger, but only you can do it. It's through your spirit. So we thank you for your grace. In your precious name we pray. We all said Amen, amen. Brand new beginning, okay, guys? Brand new.